With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, we're recording. All right, welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. We are recording today. It is, by the time you're listening, it's, it's going to be August 3rd, Tuesday. Um, we're in the depths. We're in the dog days of summer, essentially, right now. Joined by Josh only today. What up? Jason is on vacation. It's actually his birthday when this comes up. So happy wow, birthday, happy Jason. birthday, Jason. So we let him give some voice notes and so he can fire off his takes. Yeah. Well, the main reason why this podcast sounds so good. Exactly. I mean, before we were recording, um, I think I had a... I don't even know what I was doing. It was awful, the quality. <laughs> yeah, the, the mic was just the MacBook Pro. Like, we there's had, no microphone. That's, that's what it started. And then we eventually upgraded to a mic that we had to share between each other. Um, but now, now, now we got our own mics. New Zealand. Oh, yeah. Shout out. Um, so a couple things to get into today. Over the weekend, Kyle Dubas, while we were... Um, grinding beers at the Jays game. Kyle Dubas was grinding contracts. Absolutely. Andre Kasha got signed one year, 1.25 million. And his former teammate on the Ducks and the Bruins, Nick Ritchie, two years, 2.5 or 2.25. I really should have had that one ready. I think it's 2.5. We're going to verify that. It's but 2.5. Signed one day apart from each other. We're actually traded to the Bruins three days apart from each other. Um, as always, as as you've probably seen, Nick Ritchie is a former Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound. Mm. Uh-oh. Even though he only played half a season there, and Kyle Dubas wasn't the GM. But let's we're going to get into a couple things with Andre Kasha and Nick Ritchie first. First off, what was your thoughts on the... Well, the general summary, the yeah. signings overall. So obviously my tone on the last podcast was like, I don't want to say negative, but we mine was it. too. It was a C minus day on free agent. David Kempf broke me. Yes, correct. But as we said, you know, there was some space available. We were looking, I don't know, maybe Brandon Saad, Tatar. I don't know who knew what was going to happen. But in Saad my opinion, for a lot of money, exactly. When you compare to the other contracts, these are the like I'm thrilled. Honestly, I'm thrilled with these two signings. Value. Great value for both of them. There was rumors that Richie was asking for $4 million from yep. Boston. And I listened to Friedman's podcast today. He was saying that he everyone thought he was going to New York. And if you look at what they signed Barkley Goudreau for, I would be surprised if they only offered Nick Richie two and a half. Right? Wow. So it seems like, again, this is another player who took a little less money to come to Toronto, which we love. Nick Ritchie, we t- I talked about him on the free agency breakdown pod. He's not William Nylander, but he's still pretty good. Like, And he brings something to the table that we just don't have. He's big and he's physical. He's also an absolute pain to play against. Mm-hmm. Like an absolute pain. Adding him and bunting to your lineup, these guys are actually going to make life difficult for other teams in a different way than our team already does. We like to, you know, we like to put up points, put up numbers. But these guys are they're pests. They really are. Yeah. The Leafs made it difficult for their opponent in the sense that there was a couple times they went down this year, but they have such a talented offensive roster where it was like bang, bang, tie game. We saw it twice yeah. with Montreal. Or the other, like game two against Montreal where they just 
roast blew them, them like, out of the water. They can do that, but here these are two guys again. They're, they bring a physicality. I'm talking about Bunting and Richie. Richie, we'll start with him. The one negative I have about him, he takes a lot of penalties, right? Which I was list, I was watching the Steve Dangle video on it, and he brought it was kind of galaxy brain, but he was saying, okay, Nick Richie does take a lot of penalties. The differential isn't great. However, in the NHL, there's always makeup calls for some reason, so we're gonna end up getting we're, the makeup call. You in know some what? Way, Honestly, you you laugh, but that actually may have more it's merit crazy, to it than it it's sounds like, like. All right, and. It, again, that's the one negative. You look at his numbers. He's he's yet to really break out, I would say, but he's pr- been pretty good. He was also really good this year for Boston, I thought. He started hot. He slowed down a bit, but he still had 15 goals in 56 games, 10 of those coming at even strength. A lot of people were saying, you know, he's getting cookies on the power play. It didn't really seem that way. And if you look at his shot production, he, he was really good last year. Like, analytics-wise, even just raw shoot, shooting numbers, shot attempts, he was good. This is the guy we need. He can get pucks on net, and he can score. He's never scored a ton of goals in the league, but that's because he doesn't play, like, big minutes. But this mm-hmm. is a guy I would not be surprised by the end of the year if he plays 80-ish games, 15 to 20 goals. I re- it I, fit a need. That's it what did. It really, and, he, really again, wanted. he's not a – I wouldn't call him a sniper. It's more of, like, a Brady to Chuck kind of guy. He likes, you know – more volume, get pucks on net kind of guy. But he's got a hard shot, though, Nick Ritchie. Yep. Right? And he's a net front presence. He's different than what we have. And, again, he can play up and down the lineup. I don't know if he's necessarily going to play on the first line. I could see him on the second line or the third line or the fourth line. It's hard to complain about this signing, really. It's, again, at the number, $2.5 for two years. That's the other thing. They got him for two years. Like, And w- on top of that, he's 25 years old. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, 121 shots would have been fifth on the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, just below William Nylander there. Um, what I really liked from watching his game, his one time is pretty good. He's a good finisher in front of the net. He's a big body. He can take up space in front of the net and cause some issues there. Again, his shot is pretty hard. I, f- I felt it firsthand there, um, getting in front of one of those. Didn't tickle at all. Um, and yeah, like he he's not afraid to drop the gloves. Like He's not afraid to to punch you in the face as well but like he's not going to be the play he's not a great playmaker but like he's he's going to he's going to dig in the corners as well like we mentioned it in the free agency primer the Leafs needed some finishing ability and speed I feel like they perfectly addressed that with Kasha and Nick Ritchie Mm -hmm. they both players do have their deficiencies however you weren't able to go out and spend eight million dollars on Gabriel Landeskog you needed to work with what you had in 9.7 million. And we mentioned it. With 9.7 million, you can't be, you know, you can't overpay to bring a guy in. You have to get those value deals. I feel like they did a tremendous do- job with that in these two signings. Like, yeah, completely agree. And um, for those of you who haven't watched Nick Ritchie, he's almost the exact player you would expect him to be. Yeah. You know, he's a big guy, he shoots the puck hard, he throws the body. He's maybe not the fleetest of foot, but I wouldn't call him a bad skater. He's not a great no. skater. For his size, he moves around decently. Um, he may he's not he doesn't think the game that quickly. If you look, a lot of complaints from Boston fans were regarding zone exits. You know, he's more of a chip out guy, not a lot of controlled exits to his game. He's not really that type of player, though. He's not like an off the rush player. We have a lot of guys who can do that already. So I, I like it. I, I it's hard to complain. Like, especially when you look at contract comparables around the league, like you're looking at Matthias Janmark, like Brock McGinn, 
Derek Ryan even is a comparable here. Like he brings something that those also, guys don't. Like the utilization on the power play. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be something that's huge. Like picture where where Thornton kind of was in that center yeah. spot there. Like he's going to be able to nail those one timers. Yep. And and get them off really quick. I really like putting together those videos of of Kasha and uh, Nick Ritchie together on Anaheim. Yeah, I that was like great. They clicked together really, really well. And they didn't play at all together in Boston. I mean, Kasha had his injury issues, but I wonder, do they put them together with Maybe. Toronto Maybe. at least for a preseason game to get the familiarity together? But overall, I I, I think that's a good. The numbers not bad. Yep. He fills a need. Term two, again, for a 25-year-old guy, getting him for two years is solid. Mm-hmm. So, Especially one coming off of um, great radio. That's my phone going off. Especially a guy coming off a of decent like year. 15 goals. Yeah. That's a career high for right. him in a shortened season. He did too. have a bit of a shooting percentage bump, but nothing crazy. That's why I was yeah. saying he's not like a he's not like a sniper 15% Stamco shooter, right? Mm-hmm. But he can get there with volume, and he shoots the puck hard, which, again, another thing we could use. Yeah. So we saw some complaints. Oh, his playoff production. Okay, one goal, three assists, four games, and uh, four points in eleven games. What was Taylor Hall's number Same in thing. Boston? Five points. And he just got five points. One more point than Nick yeah. Ritchie, and Ritchie was playing. I'm guessing a lot less. I can't find it right the now other thing for is whatever reason. But Taylor Hall just signed twelve minutes a game in the playoffs. Yeah. Taylor Hall just signed for six million dollars. Yeah. The other thing with playoffs is people need to understand everyone scores less points in the playoffs. There's less goals. Ipso facto, <laughs> less points for each player. Yeah. But especially when you're going up against the New York Islanders. Yeah. Not a lot of like, offense. There's not series. a lot of goals going around there. Agreed. I mean, when you look at Braden Point's like production in the finals against Montreal, he was I don't think he was a point a game. Uh no, he wasn't. Exactly. Like I think Kucherov was because he had a three point game. Well, they didn't score like, that many goals. They had one big exactly. game. Exactly. Yeah. Like That's just defense tightens up exactly. in the playoffs. Like it, it's gonna happen, right? So, that was a good signing. Fills a good need. Brings something that the Leafs don't have in the lineup there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the complaints are going to be not the quickest guy. Yeah. Takes those, he's going to take those dumb penalties. Right. But we got the big rig from Orangeville. I'm happy about this I'm happy, this too. One. And I honestly think he can still improve, too. He's only 25 years old, and he's a yeah. big guy. We've seen a lot of, you know, bigger guys that are able to dominate at lower levels have a little bit of a longer transition period. It just makes sense. You were used to being so much physically advanced to like mm-hmm. the other guys in junior. That was him in junior. Like he put up great numbers in his draft year, but he was just bigger and stronger than everyone. You else. remember we watched him in yeah. uh, when he was with the Pete's there. He was able to slow down the game so yeah. much and just play it to his speed, and then you know dominate guys physically there. But should we see what Jason had to say about Nick Ritchie? Yes, we do. Should have had this prepared. No, we're money. A little bit. Yeah, I also, again, another sign that's been, this one's actually been pretty overwhelmingly praised. I haven't seen a lot of people who are against it, which is good. Don Cherry, again, he's fired up. (laughs) All right, let's see what Jason had to say. Moving on to the big contracts, we got Nick Ritchie at $2.5 million over two years, and I'm 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 super happy with that deal. The Leafs need left wingers, and Nick Ritchie's a left winger. Um, He's also able to score, which is always good. He's a good finisher. Um, Last year, he scored 15 goals in only 56 games. Uh, He's able to play the power play. He's responsible defensively. His only issue is that he's pretty slow. Um, That's one thing I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about is how slow he is. And you kind of, 
the word on, on, on Twitter from Boston fans, at least, is that you kind of expect him to do more with his size and his, uh, his, his, uh, his weight. He's 6'2", 230. And uh, they say that they don't really use – he doesn't use that, that, that size and, and heaviness that much. That's not true. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how he plays for the Leafs. I, I think this is a contract that he could potentially outperform. Um, Value-wise, I think it's right on the money. I think this is great. And um, I could easily see Nick Ritchie scoring anywhere between 20 and 25 goals while scoring 10, 10 15 goals on the power play. Uh, not 15, sorry. Ten, probably 10 goals on the power play. Um, wow. Will he play okay. first power play? I don't know. But uh, he he's, he's a good goal scorer for our power play. So it'll be interesting to see him play there. And where do I have him in the lineup? I think you guys know where I have him. I have him as second-line left winger playing with John Tavares. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, mostly echoing what, what we've said. I think he's a little high on the goal product projection. Like, if Nick Ritchie scores 25 goals for the Leafs, it's a, one of the best contracts in the league at 2.5 mil, yeah, right? Yeah, 2.5. But I don't think they even need, like, again, 15-ish goals, like, good good okay. two-way guy, like, throw the body, bring so something So, for that night. contract... For him to meet two and a half million over two years, what kind of numbers do you have to? So I think we're obviously going to talk about goals because we felt like there wasn't enough necessarily depth finishing in the lineup. But I think honestly, if he plays every night and he brings that physicality that they talked about and is able to chip in in the goals in the teens, I think he lives absolutely right up to that two point five number. That's it for me. Consistent, you know, consistent physical presence every night. Be a little tough to play against. Don't take too many dumb penalties. Chip in, you know. In the, somewhere in the teens and goals, I'd be happy with that. Okay. Yeah, I, I think around there, 15-ish goals, and then a contributed on the power play, I think, as well. Yeah, that's a good one. That'll really be really good. Moving on, our next signing here. You have anything, closing remarks on Nick Rich? No, I'm happy. Awesome. Same here. Let's uh, let's give Jason the start for Case, and then, or Kasha. Andre Kasha. And we can react to him, because I feel like he kind of just repeated a lot of things we said, because we were just blind reacting to his takes for his birthday, so. Oh, yeah. All right. All right, moving on to the next deal. We have Andre Cash signed at one year, $1.25 million. Um, and this contract is such an I, – I love this contract for the Leafs. Uh, Andre Cash is a really good player, um, really high ceiling, really skilled. He can score. He previously had a 20-goal season. Um, uh, Andre Cash is a legit top six NHL player. And um, – Value-wise, if this guy is able to stay healthy throughout the year, this contract is going to be an absolute steal. In my books, his ceiling is what, Willie, what, what kind of what Willie Nylander is right now. I think that could potentially what? be Andre Cash's ceiling. And having that in our lineup uh, w- would be awesome. The only downside to this deal is um, part of the reason why we got Cash on such a cheap deal is that uh, he has like a significant history of concussions. Uh, and that's a little worrisome. But... The Leafs have some of the best trainers in the NHL. They have some of the best medical staff. So I, I, I really hope he's able to stay healthy. And if That's he is, that this deal is an absolute slam dunk. This is a home run deal. What, what, what a good deal this is. Um, my projection this year for Andre Cash, if he's able to stay healthy, I think he's able to put up between 55 and 60 points for the Leafs, honestly. That's my projection for him. Kind of bold, but I love I it. Do. And uh, where he plays in the lineup... Uh, if you guys did the projecting opening night lines before, you heard, you heard where I think I, uh, he's playing in the lineup. I think he's going to be playing on that second line with 
uh, Richie and Tavares. If not, he'll be playing with Richie on the third line. I think those two guys are going to stick together. So that's where I think they'll play, and that's so that's it. What do you guys think? So he's moving Milan. Yeah, we'll see his lines more. later. Okay, so that's a little optimistic, I would say. For I think that was very Kumbaya Leafs Twitter <laughs> kind of, you know, yeah, praising them. I don't know, praising these signings a little bit too much. So like, I look at this sign a little differently. I look at it like this is an absolute dart throw, and dart throws are good, right? Yeah. Dart throws are good because if they hit, we're money. So he did a good job kind of describing who he is. He's not William Nylander. Um, not I would a, put I would close. put his ceiling closer like what a what a Kapanen and He's Janssen. also older than Nylander. Yeah, the Kapanen and Janssen production that we used to get from those guys, which yeah. is like middle six. A little bit of skill, a little speed, 40-ish, 20-20-40 kind of thing. That's kind of where I plot him in. He does have better offensive and defensive like shot impacts. Like He's been really good basically his whole career as an anal- like analytic darling kind of mm-hmm. thing. That's why when Anaheim traded him, everyone was kind of like, wow, what's going on? They got fleeced. But again, we don't live in the perfect world where everyone plays the 82 games. He has significant injury concerns. That's something to note. It's the reason why Anaheim traded him. It's the reason why Boston didn't give him a qualifying offer. It's it's a significant injury history here. This is like nine regular season. Or sorry, he played nine regular season games for Boston total. Yeah, over t- a year a and season a half. half. So, and he's most games he's played in a year is sixty six. So, that's something that needs to be kept in mind. This is not a physical player. This is a finesse middle six player. Mm-hmm. He's a you know he can score. Scored again he's twenty fast. goal year. He's fast. Got a little bit of skill. Like his release, he likes that little toe move, toe drag shot, which I like to see, um, and I like it. It's a it's a money signing in terms of the way he used the remaining cap that we had. Like yeah. being able to, we were so concerned about the depth of the team at the end of the last podcast. Being able to bring two guys in who we can confidently say, if healthy, are legitimate middle six wingers is exactly what we needed. So, again, I give this at the number that they signed him to. How could you not like this contract, right? Like, no, no. It's a no-brainer. Evolving Wild had him valued at seven fifty, but that's because like he, he just has hasn't. When you're looking solely yeah. at the the num like at his points total, he he's played s- what seventy nine plus nine is eighty seventy nine plus nine is eighty eight eighty eight games since twenty eighteen twenty nineteen. Yeah. He hasn't played. That's that's why. That's but the other thing about him again, I'm gonna keep doing this, but I like that they dipped into the younger free agency pool, mm-hmm. right? So you got Bunting is twenty five. As opposed to what they did last time, which is which the opposite, is the older ones so coming you, home on a discount. Exactly, Bunting, Kasha, and Richie are all twenty-five years old. The other thing about Kasha, they Camp is like a, is twenty-five as well, I believe. He's twenty-six. You're right. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Um, you just made me a little more excited for David Camp. I can't believe you just did that. Um, but the other thing about Kasha is they signed him to a one-year deal, but he has Arbright's next year. He's a, he's still oh. he does not have the service time to make him a unrestricted free agent. So. He will be an RFA next year, which, again, pretty good. You got an option to keep him around as well. So, Or if you have no room, you, you move him out. You don't call. He's gone. That's it. So I, I like it. I, I do as well. I, I really like his skill set. Again, as you mentioned, quick player. Can actually score some goals too. Um, but, like, the injuries is a huge question. I didn't yeah. really agree with the, the Jason's point about the medical staff in Toronto. Um, if you have – a history of concussions. I don't know what kind. Are they going to give him a brain transplant? Like I, yeah. I don't think that one. I think I he means know. just the way that the Leaf staff has yeah. dealt with injury in the past, which has been positively for the yeah. most part. But like I, I, I don't. 
I don't know. If he's injured, he's injured. And, and like, someone else brought it up on Twitter, kind of, like, making fun of it, but it is true. Like, if he's injured, you put him on LTIR. You have yeah, some you cap have a little space. space. Like, exactly. That's not bad. I mean, yeah. with $1.25 million in cap space, what you can do at the at the deadline, if you double, uh, double retain a player, you can get a decent guy in yeah. for that number. So that's a little bit of another positive there. Um, again, like, a nice little dart throw on a guy that has a, a very good high up, upside to him. Um, in terms of for Kasha to live up to a $1.25 million value, what's his stat line got to look like? He's got to play 60 games. That's 60 it. Games. If he How plays many? 60 games, he will produce at least at a $1.25 million player. Probably more. Okay. The uh, biggest, it's For him, it's all health. It's all health. If he plays, he will produce. I set the bar even lower. Lower, I said fifty. Yeah, and he's gonna put up around twenty-five points. Yep, and that's perfect. And that's perfect, and then be available for playoffs exactly. hopefully as well. Exactly. That's gonna be a huge. It's thing. just I feel so much better about the depth of this team now after those two signings. Exactly, exactly. So I think we've we've covered as much as we can about Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. Overall, how this how the roster sits, you're a lot more confident. Yeah, I would put the summer at more of like a B B plus now. No home yeah. runs. We didn't, you know. We're not making the honor roll this summer. I gave it to you. Last year was pretty much an honor roll year for me. Signing TJ Brody was a home run. Oh, 100%. Right? And bringing back Spets, you'll include that. Thornton and Simmons didn't necessarily work out, but I love the thought process behind those Thornton moves. Thornton was 750. Exactly. That's what you have to think about. It's, it's the thought process behind it. I had some questions with you know, the two late signings on, on the 28th on Free Agent Frenzy Day with uh, Kampf and Curtis Gabriel. but. Yeah. Bouncing back later in the week with Richie and Kasha, I'm I'm pretty high back. I, I yeah. put it at a, a B. A and also B. going back to last year, I mean, you can look at the signings. Like Thornton was a good value for 700k. You just didn't use him properly. Like unless the stipulations beforehand were you're going to play every single night, you're going to get first power play, you're going to play with Mitch and Austin, and then he said, okay, pen to paper, 700k, no problem. That's when it's like, okay, that's that's not a very good signing. But it's like 700k for a guy. Brings in some veteran experience, can still pass the puck around. Like, I didn't think it's it's yeah, not that bad like value. You just, you just yeah, you shouldn't be using him. Like, okay, we signed David Kampf. Like, that doesn't mean we have to play him first line right. every night, right? Like, if you close your eyes and you just say they signed a player for seven hundred fifty k who ended up getting twenty points in forty four games for you, you're like, wow, that's pretty solid. You'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, Problem it's just the utilization exactly. was a little bit off. Exactly, there. but. I, I like what we did. Again, I think this roster sitting how it is now is better than what it was starting opening day last year. Yeah, Would you I agree? agree? I agree. That's what that's that's the main thing what you needed to get through for this off season here. Um, the one thing that someone did point out on Twitter, I think it was Kevin Papetti, and I do kind of agree, the left wing depth isn't like there's no one that's a, a superstar left wing on this team really when you look yeah, at it. Yeah, but that's fine because you have two superstar right wingers. So like, let's come and on. And super two superstar centers. Center. And you got a guy coming up who we're pretty sure is going to be maybe not a superstar, but a good, a solid NHL player, Nick Robertson on the left side. Yeah. So that's also something to be hopeful about. And they well. have Rodion Amarov and Maddie Nyes coming, who are both left wingers eventually. Like, yeah. So. That's far That's in the future. Couple, yeah. I'm just saying. I, well, how about this? Let me bring something to the forefront. How much did Zach Hyman make on his contract? This year? Yeah, five and a half. Five and a half okay, so seven. that was your old left winger. Let's say your left wingers end up being this right now, just for fun. Michael Bunting, Nick Ritchie. Okay, Kosh is going to play the right wing. Pro- but let's say he, could, he hypothetically mm-hmm. would move him to the left wing. 
and Nick Robertson. How much do those four guys make? Not a lot. Not, not five and a half million. It's, I think it's around four million. So when you talk about roster allocation, you know you're deep on the on the right side. You know you're deep at center. It's not the worst thing to get value guys on the left wing. And as long as one of those guys like really produces on the top line, you've done a good job in that situation, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if the I alternative agree. was signing Hyman to $5 million or having the current quote-unquote left wing depth, I would probably take the current roster of left wingers, to be honest. Yeah, especially with the value contracts that you're getting there. That's just how I'm looking at it. But. Um, the one thing, so that kind of brings me into the roster being kind of set. Um, it brings me into one question that was brought up. Um, I'll go to his second one here. Uh, Andreas Tassios, real estate, did ask. So I'll go to the second one here. Realistic trade packages for Kerfoot or Mikheyev. With who you have signed here, it kind of pushes one of them out, especially when you're looking at Kerfoot. Before these signings, you, you people had him penciled it. Okay, second line left wing there. Or you could possibly go third line center. And then Kampf at fourth line center, but like it is, it's a realistic possibility soon that that Kerfoot is moved. If the Leafs move Kerfoot, we'll go with him first. What would be a package you're happy with? So, um, can I start by saying this? I don't think of the guy. I don't think Kerfoot will be the guy moved because I don't think they love their center depth and they like that he can play center. That's what I'm going to start with. If Kerfoot's okay. traded though. Given all you did to keep him from Seattle, essentially, with the McCann stuff, mm-hmm. right? This is not a salary dump trade. Absolutely not. You need to get something You got to get something back. Like, we're talking either— At least Hollander in a seventh. Correct. Like— That's it. You just answer the question for me. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. I'm not kidding. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, if Kerfoot is moved, who plays third-line center there? It's. That's why, at this point, they're only— I'd want I I'd be okay with Camp playing fourth line center. Yeah, or th- or like a w- like if he's third center, you put two good guys with him. But I wouldn't even want that. But we'll get no. to him later. But they're not that like they're only one point four ish over the cap, mm-hmm. so they don't have to move Kerfa. Like you can move someone else. You can move Makayev or Engvall and be perfectly set right under the cap number. So. I I would hesitate to move Kerfa at this point either, unless I'm getting a like. A guy I, I brought this up before and you guys like snoffed, snobbed at me. It was like Kerfoot for Max Domi kind of deal, something like that. Yeah. Well, he is looking to be moved. I, I would looking be looking, if him. he's traded, I'd be either looking at a second round pick mm-hmm. or uh, almost NHL, like two, two years post draft year, like solid prospect, like B level prospect. Okay. Or another roster player who makes a little less money that's similar to Kerfoot. Maybe not the same type of player in terms of defensively, but like can just play on your roster that's relatively young. So like Max Domi, for example. Essentially what I'm saying is it would be like a B, B-minus level package. Like a B-level prospect, like a middle six NHLer makes less than Kerfoot or a second round pick. Other than that, I see no reason to trade him. Wow, that's a, that's a little bit more expensive than what I was thinking. That That is a very good point, though. Um, I'm not saying that's necessarily his value, but if I'm looking at the Leafs roster, I'm not. I still don't love the center depth, right? No, so, that's true. And he can always play center for you in a pinch if he's not playing it on opening day. Yeah, we're not in love with Alex Kerfoot and like what he brings to the roster, but like it's better than what you have and right. like what's out there that's going to be, be that you're going to be able to bring in that's better than Alex Kerfoot. 
Like you bring in Max Domi, sure, he is a much better offensive player than Alex Kerfoot, far and above better offensive player than Alex Kerfoot, but he doesn't bring that defensive aspect that Kerfoot is better than him at. So it's like you have that trade-off there. I mean, But the other thing is then, like, if you're replacing Kerfoot with a similar level player, why are you trading him in the first place? A similar level, pl- similar level player that gets paid more money, too. Yeah. So like. So it's like you know what? It's I would take Max Domi over Kerfoot, obviously. But it's like if you're looking at the way that they construct this 15 forwards that they have into 12 on opening day, I don't see it without Kerfoot. I just don't. So, would yeah. would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. I mean, I was kind of thinking Kerfoot's pressed out because oh, I had him at second line left wing. Now that spot's kind of taken there. But I think that you can still make the roster work with him at third-line center, Camp at fourth-line center, and then whoever on the wings there. Right. So who do you think gets pushed out? So I do think it's Mikhaev or Engvall, and I think they like Mikhaev more than Engvall. So I think it would probably be Pierre Engvall. I think especially Sheldon Keith likes. Yeah. We uh, saw it last year. Engvall ended up playing, but down the stretch, he was kind of their 13th forward for most of the time, right? Tavares goes down. He's in the lineup every night now, mm-hmm. right? But I think it would be Engvall, and I honestly wouldn't be looking for much back because that in that situation, him making one point two five would probably just be a pure cap dump there because you can't take an uh, you can't take yeah. a NHL r- contract back there because you want to clear the get that contract right off the book. So hey, we don't have a pick in the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth round this year. Give me something in that range, and you can have Pierre Engvall. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's a guy. Two NHL seasons, two kind of half NHL seasons, 15 points in 48, 12 points in 42. I like the highs that I've seen from Pierre Engvall. I've really liked them. I mean, like, he, he's got a hard shot. He's a good skater, especially for six foot four. Unfortunately, or six foot five, sorry. Unfortunately, he's just not the, the most skilled guy. When you say and he's six foot five, it's the most unbelievable fact. I, I I would ask people this during the year. It's like, can you believe this guy's six foot five? He's the least physical six. He's foot the five least guy physical ever. six foot five. And the funny guy thing ever. is, after he got scratched, when he got put back into the lineup, you can tell he was trying to throw the body around more, but it wasn't doing anything. He's six five two fifteen. Yeah, like, compared to Nick Ritchie, who's six two two thirty five. Yeah, well, it's a different kind of yeah. weight. But in terms of angle, I mean, his neck is also like so long. You don't want to tries to throw the body too much and would break it so but yeah i can kind of see him being moved out one thing that i think is interesting i think we'll see a move for it in at the trade deadline is ryan kessler's contract in anaheim i haven't i mean friedman mentioned it on 31 thoughts mm-hmm. i i think that would be something that a competitive team is a hundred percent going to look to to trade for to get that salary re- relief sick wording uh, especially if Anaheim's not in the playoffs there, right? They're not going to be spending. So why not? Why why just hold it? I mean, yeah. it could be an asset kind of thing. Yeah, Bring Agreed. a couple guys on on term. Agreed. Which I think Engvall is on term. I came off of his page. Uh, he's an RFA after this year. So still, you, you have his, his rights to And so negotiate. if it wasn't, let's say it ended up being Makayev, for example, what would you be looking from from that type of trade? Ilya Makayev? I mean... I don't know. The f- after the first year, he played so well, and then the second year, he came back, and it looked like he couldn't shoot the puck anymore. Does he regain some more strength in his in his wrist there, and he's able to do a little bit more? I don't know. I mean, the max, I think his value is at like a fourth-round pick right now. 
Yeah, and I th- I think he also took a little less money to play for the Leafs. Yeah. And they also like his shorthanded game as well. So I I, th- I really don't think he's mm-hmm. going to be a guy that they move. We'll see. It could be, right? But again, he's almost the, – they like him, so I don't think they want to move him for a fourth-round pick, right? If they have yeah. to, they will. But I think from what we've seen in terms of lineup deployment, they clearly like him over Engel. Yeah. I don't think Makai was scratched once last year. No, he wasn't. Played every single game. Was he effective in every single game? No. Down the stretch, he was pretty pretty poor, actually. But yeah. You look at his shorthanded numbers, they're really good. And he doesn't take penalties. He draws a lot of penalties, too, at comparative, which is another good thing. With his, obviously, he's a speedster. Yeah, he's a fast player. He's six foot two. He, he has a, his, he's a forward with a really long stick. There's no other way to go around that wording <laughs> there, is. but whatever. Um, and he breaks up a lot of plays because, like, he uses a 10 foot stick. Maybe that does impact his finishing ability there, but he does generate a lot of chances off the rush because of that. He's because of his speed and his ability to break up plays there. I really like that part of his game. However, he's not very he's not physical at all and he's not the most skilled player, so he can have the like there is the possibility that he fades back into the background doesn't really produce much out there, but when he's on he he, he is bringing something to your lineup for sure. Yeah. 100%. But I, again, so, I think that would the be the value's a, not there It would though, be a mid-round him. pick. 1994 Who, yeah. born. Who's trying really, to yeah, who's trying to pay a lot for that? 1. Po- what's he at? 1. What's his number? 1. Point s- yeah, 1.65, 94 born, 17 points in 54 games last year. Like, how much value does that have? That's why. If you Not pick the guy to just dump, it would be Engvall, I think. I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean, it's unfortunate. I, I, I like him. It's just someone's got to go. Can't keep everyone, right? And I think they like David Kampf over Pierre Engvall. That would be the real actual, if you think about it, that's the decision. Because... Yeah. If they knew they had a plan to sign even, let's say not even Kasha, just Richie, you probably still are moving one guy out if you just look at the number of forwards they have, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like when you sign comp, you're almost assuming you, you got to move one guy out. So I, this might be where they looked at the two players and they said David Kampf brings something that Pierre Engvall doesn't and we like him better. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, going into Andreas's second question here. Projecting the Leafs' opening light night lines. And I believe we got another question from Eric. Yeah. So, uh, Saturday, I think it was Saturday night, we were just talking about the uh, Leafs' lines after they signed Richie and Kasha. And Eric's been kind of throwing this point at me for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now. Now it really came, like, the way he framed it that night really came through. So, this is how we would put the forward group. And, you know, tell me what you think about this. So, first line would be bunting. Matthews, Marner. I think most people are kind of settling into that's going to probably be the first line. Yeah, I would say so. Again, it could be a different left winger, but I think just for the purposes of this, this is that's kind of the guy. Everyone's talking, is Kampf going to be the third line center? Is it Kerfoot? I like his, his thought process is this. We liked what we saw from Kerfoot and Nylander together, right? Mm-hmm. So he wants to keep Kerfoot with Nylander. And have Nick Robertson on the left wing. The idea, really? the idea is this is like a absolute offense focused line. Like you deployed them a lot of favorable offensive matchups. So where does Tavares go? All right, here, here we go. The Tavares line is Nick Ritchie, John Tavares, and we threw out a couple wingers here, but one of them, which is actually interesting, would be Ritchie Tavares Wayne Simmons as your line. 
And here's why. I wouldn't call it a shutdown line, but in terms of that you, line, that line is way too slow. Okay, it's slow. Maybe it's slow, but in terms of you throw it something way different than the rest of the team. Yeah. That's that's a that's a like a physical forechecking line. Mm-hmm. That's way way different than any of the lines that the Leafs have had in the past. Yeah. If you want to bring more speed to that that line too, put Andre Kasha on that line. I have no issue with that. Yeah, I mean it's just but the Tavares is, on a third line to to bring physicality. Not I mean, even physicality. It's just it's a forechecking line instead of like a, and they can play tougher minutes too. Why not? Eleven million dollars, John Tavares. I wouldn't want him on a forechecking. But, but like, but they had Steven Stamkos and Anthony Sorelli on the Tampa's third line. On yeah, in terms of five by five minutes. Second, so that's the third, idea. But Stamkos they, isn't as effective anymore. I mean, when you watch him in the playoffs, other than a power play guy, what was he? I don't know, but I'm just saying in terms it's an of John option. Tavares, so though, so I mean, Joe doesn't like this option, but I, I don't. Think I, I really liked watching Tavares and Nylander at first at one point in the season. They they had a tough P, they got PDO bomb. The PDO monster got them, and there were stretches where they weren't scoring at all. But down the stretch, William Nylander was a goal a game with John Tavares. I mean, I think that was more so William Nylander over what Kerfoot was bringing to that, that forward line there. And also, the sh- on-ice shooting percentage was just off the charts high. It's not going to be that high. I, 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 I think we're overvaluing that seven-game series with Alex Kerfoot. I really think him in the third hole, the three-hole, and try to recreate. So the lineup of I'm, – I'm going off the rails here, but yeah, let me go, go back. Your, go let to your go lines. Back. Go to your lines. Go. So, again, I have Bunting, Matthews, Marner – in terms of the second line, maybe uh, it gets very, very jumbled from here. I'm going to read off to start what Daily Faceoff has. They have Bunting at Matthews Marner, and then they have Richie Taveras Nylander, and then they have Mikheyev, Kerfoot, Kasha, and then Wayne Simmons, David Kampf, Jason Spezza. No Nick Robertson in there. And this might sound crazy. I don't think with what they have here, Nick Robertson makes the opening day lineup. I don't like that. You also didn't have Wayne Simmons in there. I didn't. I didn't give my lineups. In. No, in the daily faceoff one, I'm saying. Yeah, Simmons, Camp, oh, Spezza. Simmons. Okay. Okay. So, and I mean, in terms of what Kyle Dubas was saying earlier, I want to get Joey Anderson more looks. I want to get Brooks more looks. I mean, based on what we have here, like. I think Robertson gets squeezed out. I do, however, think that I don't think he'll make the opening day roster. However, midway through the season, he's going to have a ton of points in the AHL. It's going to be tough to keep him down there. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking here. Like he's going to put up a lot. He's going to play first power play. He's going to play first line like he did last year. And you know why? Because he deserved it. Because he was a fantastic hockey player last year. If like if he remains healthy midway through the season, we're going to see Nick Robertson on this on this roster and probably in playoffs as well because he's you're not going to be able to say no to him anymore, right? Yeah. So I hope so. So in terms w- so of this, give me your lines. Let's hear it. I like what Daily Faceoff has here. Um, maybe you put. I I think maybe you switch up. Uh, I would like to switch up Mikheyev up to the Tavares Nylander line. We've seen that work sometimes. And then Richie down with Kerfoot Kasha. Um, I mean, 
we get to rekindle Ker- Kasha, Ker- uh, Nick Ritchie, like they did in Anaheim there. Um, again, you could put McKay of Kerf. I do like the line McKay of Kerfoot Kasha because when you looked at it last year, there was a couple really, really, really good games from Engvall, Kerfoot, Mikheyev because you have two speedsters on the wings there, but it didn't work all the time because Mikheyev and Engvall are very, very inconsistent. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think either one of those two. Maybe you move Neatlander up to Matthews again. I, I don't understand. I, I'd like to see some switching here and there to find the perfect combination. Maybe not switching just for the sake of switching. However, like pretty much what Daily Faceoff has lined up, laid out here, maybe a couple switches here and there, that's what I would have. I'm not going to try to galaxy brain it. John Tavares is a fantastic hockey player. He's been a point per game since we got to the Maple but, Leafs, uh, and I think people are forgetting that because he didn't play in the playoffs. him not playing with Nylander doesn't mean he's on the third line. Again, you can have a you don't have to play the top line 24 minutes anymore. You can balance it out. And these guys can all play 16 to 19 minutes, depending on the night, right? He already wasn't playing that much this year. That's no, the thing. like 17 minutes. That's not a lot. They could easily do that on him and Nylander not being on the same line. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually like the idea of splitting them up, to be honest. I think it evens out the depth of the team more, and I like the look of it. I don't know if I – li- I think Richie Tavares-Kasha would be a great line. And I think Kerfoot Nylander with Robertson would create a ton of offense. So I like those lines, actually. The problem is the lines you gave me, what's, what line are you deploying defensively there Like in the playoffs? What's your defensive line? Are you playing the top guys against? Um, in terms of defensive line, it would have to be McKayev, Kerfoot, Kasha, which is okay. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad. I mean, it is interesting when you bring that up now. David Camp is your defensive specialist. My him team on wouldn't the wings have with him Sim- on it. Yeah. But him yeah. with Simmons and Spezza. That's not a defensive line. How can you put that against no, the can't. top guys? You can't. So it's an interesting that's why it's an interesting conundrum an interesting in terms thought. of but here's the good thing. They have a lot of good players, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't assign David Comp. I will see what he, what he brings. If I had to do projections though, not in my opinion, I agree with you. Nick Robertson's not gonna be on the opening day roster like I told Jason last time, and he th- he thinks he will be. Oh, I hope well, he will. Last be. time there was there was two less yeah, signings, but also. I still don't think he would have. Like I don't know, they don't seem that eager to rush him up here. But I actually agree with your first two lines are probably pretty accurate. I think you got Bunting, Matthews, Bunting, Marner. Matthews, I think Marner. you probably got Makayev, Tavares, Nylander. and I think you're gonna have Kerfoot, Kasha, or sorry, Kerfoot, Kampf, Nick Ritchie as your as your third line. I think that's what they're gonna do. Kerfoot, Kampf. Nick Ritchie. And if it's not, it's Nick Ritchie on the second line left wing with, and like you said, it's going to be Kerfoot, Kampf, Makayev as their third line. And then their fourth line will be Simmons, Spezza, Kasha. Kasha on the fourth line? Yep. Mm. That's what I think they're going to do. That's unfortunate, but I mean, that does really make sense. Yep. Because then I you have your. Like that. I, it's I not bad. Because then you have your Kerfoot, Kampf, Makayev. That line gets the worst minutes ever. The only time they're taking an offensive zone draw is if they're on the ice for an icing. All right. I'm I'm with that. So I didn't I want to hear what Jason's got. I think Jason's gonna split up Nylander and Tavares, like he said, but probably. It's an interesting it's an interesting debate because they have so many like newer middle six ish guys. You don't really have a spot for them. This is a long one, but let's hear it. All right. Opening day roster projections. This is 
This is a tough one because I don't know if our roster is going to stay intact. The players we have right now, I feel like some of them are, are, are going to be on the move. I feel like there's still more in the pipeline for Dubas. And I don't think the offseason is done for him. Um, anyways, we're still going to try and project these what, what our opening day lineup would look like. For me, though, uh, first line, Matthews in the middle, Marner on the right, Bunting on the left. I think that's, that one's simple. Uh, it's been a topic of discussion throughout the offseason. Who's going to replace Zach Hyman? My eyes, it's Michael Bunting, and I think it's his job to lose. Um, I, uh, he, he's a good player. He's fast. He's decently skilled, and he can score. So he's he's shown his, this, the ability to do that in the AHL, and I, I think he sh- should be able to do it in the NHL as well. So that's going to be a fun line to watch, watching Marner dish out passes left, right, center, and Matthews and Bunting. That's good. Um, I like that. It's going to yeah. be fun to watch, honestly. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that line. Um, going on to the second line, uh, we have, I'm going to put Tavares in the middle, but I'm going to change things up a bit. I'm going to put Andre Cash and Nick Ritchie on the right and left of him. Um, the reason why I'm doing so is because both those guys have played together before uh, on Anaheim and on uh, Boston, and they've done very well together. I think they'd be great wingers to play with John Tavares. They only played together um, in Anaheim. Yeah, I, I like that line a lot. Um, I think you could do the same. You, you could put those guys on the third line as well, but I really think it'd add a, a little bit of punch to that second line, um, having those two guys together, just knowing their history together. I think I think it could be good for them. So that's that's the second line. Third line, Nylander's on the right, Kerfoot in the middle, Mikhail on the left. Third line, in my opinion, is the one most up in the air. I obviously separated Tavares and Nylander because I, I think Nylander really can drive his own line. I think he does very well at doing so. We saw that in the playoffs. Mind you, it was a small sample. But I, I think he can succeed on his own. I don't think he needs to be with John Tavares to succeed. Um, Kerfoot, Mikhaev, in my opinion, those are the two guys most likely to be moved this offseason um, from our forward group. So this one's kind of pending. But right now, uh, we saw Nylander do really well with Kerfoot in the playoffs. And... Um, Ilya Mikhaev, I think he's slightly better than the other left wings we have on our roster, so easy enough, he's on our third line. So that's our third line. Then our fourth line, I think it's going to be Kampf, Spezza, and Engfall. Kind of in an identity crisis line, because all these players kind of do different things, I feel like. Engvall likes to be like a transitional player. Kampf seems to be like a really strong defensive player and Spezza is obviously very offensive so this is kind of the one that's a bit of a toss-up I can see any of our um any of our, our 13th 14th or 15th forward slotting in there when Wayne Simmons Adam Brooks Curtis Gabriel you can uh you can kind of mix and match those guys in and out um but that's that's who I have on the fourth line for the opening day roster that's kind of my forwards so the only thing I would like when I put Nylander not with Tavares he needs to be with another high skill player like that's why I had Robertson on there, because mm-hmm. I it's to be fair, it's not fair to him to just bury him because you say oh he can drive his own line that's great doesn't mean you don't want to surround him with good players yeah, though that's, that's the only thing that's why Mikhaev like I, I don't I don't love him unless he's the third piece to a line like that he's like equal with Kerfoot as like the second piece with Nylander there so it's a little weird mm-hmm. that's why my my condition on Nylander not playing with Tavares is he has to play with Nick Robertson. Someone, yeah, someone. If not Nick Robertson, someone that's not on the roster, like that's coming, like a Forsberg or a Raquel. But I don't mind it. I, I think again, it's it's up for debate. I, I 
surprised he had Engvall in the lineup. Again, me and you both didn't have Engvall in our lineups, right? No, I just yeah. felt like he got squeezed out. He just didn't have a I role. Saw. As Jason said, he kind of makes a line an identity crisis line because that's kind of the player he is. He's not really offensive. He's not really defensive. Like, I don't know where he fits. He doesn't seem to fit on this team. So, Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I like what you said. Kerfoot, Mikheyev, Camp. I mean... Just bury them. One of the, they only have to play 10 minutes. One of the like least skilled lines yes. in the NHL. Hopefully, they're put out there with a purpose, though. Yeah. And Exactly. And then and then your fourth line, right, can be just more of like 10 minutes of offensive play to give the other guys yeah. a rest. Where, okay, Spezza's on the ice. Simmons on the ice. These guys can score. Kasha's there as well. They cycle very well together, there, Simmons and Spezza. There's, there's a good fourth line, a really good fourth line. Yeah. So... And then you can still play the top two lines as much as you want. Exactly. I I, I'm I think that's totally what they're going to do. I think I don't think Comp is the right player for that spot, but that but Kyle Dubas does clearly. So I think David Comp will be the third line center. The other thing is he's the third line center, quote unquote. But Kerfoot's also on that line, so mm-hmm. interchangeable. Exactly. I really think that's something they'll do. So we'll I thought see. Jack Hens article about David Kampf was kind of funny because it's like, is David Kampf the next Phil Deneau? And then in the article, he wrote, no. no. It's yeah. like, hmm, well, interesting. And his best plays were like, oh, look at this play here. He's covering for yeah. Dominic Kubelik. And it's like, that's awesome. I can do that. Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> maybe he, saw, he has something we haven't seen before, but I tried to find it with him. I just don't get it. But yeah, that, exactly. it is what it is. Exactly. Um, in terms of before I forget, the Leafs signed also uh, Brennan Manel to a $750,000 contract. Uh, he previously played for Dynamo Minsk in the KHL. Um, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that one? Seems like that's probably like a depth defenseman signing. I don't know. If, did they say if it's a one-way or a two-way yet? I'm trying to find that right now, and for some reason I can't spell his name. But in terms of what I saw... Yeah, look that one up. I, I'm, but I'll give my take on him. In terms of what I saw yeah, from it, him, it I, is it is one way. It's a two way. Two way. Okay. Yeah. From what I think in this one, I I think he's going to be with the Marlies. No harm there at all. You need good players to play in your AHL system to help develop your younger guys. Um, I'm trying to think who would be coming up on defense, but I'm drawing a blank. I think Kockinen's going to be there. Younger kind of defenseman. Mac. Hope maybe Philip Kral. Mac Hollowell is another one they're trying to really develop there. He's a very good skater. There could be something there kind of thing. Smaller guy, though, whatever. With Brendan Minnell, he put up a ton of points in the KHL, second in, in, in defenseman scoring there. Uh, five goals, 38 points total, I believe. Um, and then seven, seven points in five playoff games there. My thing with him, I don't think he's the best defensive player. I saw some clips on defense where it was, I mean, his shiftiness isn't quite there. His gap control isn't the greatest. His tracking on defend, on offensive players isn't the greatest there. But moves the puck pretty well on the power play there. Is pretty good at getting point shots through and developing some chaos in front of the net that way. Loves to jump up into plays as well. Not afraid to carry the puck up ice. Um, did benefit from playing with two pretty good KHL players and Ryan Spooner and Shane Prince, who we've seen in the uh, in the NHL, who both, I mean, put up good numbers. I mean, Spooner was at 49 points in, mm-hmm. in the NHL one year. He's a pretty good player over a point per game there. So I don't re- – it's, it's depth. It's a depth add. I don't really see him pushing for a spot 
too, too hard, though, in my opinion. Nope, I agree. Yeah. Nothing else to add there. He, yeah. Before I forget, I just wanted to mention yep, that. But one. it's a it's a depth signing. Nothing wrong with that because right. they don't also don't have that many defensemen signed. Is the other thing, right? Yeah. So I also we didn't touch on like D and goalies for the opening night lineup. Oh. But I think I think they're pretty it's pretty set. set. Yeah, it's gonna be the probably the same top four pairing as last year, and it's gonna be Sandine and Dermot. Unless there's somebody else. Unless there's a move before the season that's starts. It. That's what it's gonna be. I see Sandine Dermot on that third pair. Yeah, it has there. to be. <laughs> they don't sign Dermot to one point five for two years to bury him. Like he's gonna play, so a hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, I think this brings up the next and uh, another, and then in net, obviously they're gonna be tandem. Can Campbell opening night, Campbell, though, obviously. yeah, obviously, and then Mrazek until further notice. Yeah, you know, switching in and out with. L- them. I like it. Let them push each other. Exactly, exactly. I like that. Um, I think we've covered everything. My last thing, so we've covered the signings, we've covered the projected lineups for the season. The last thing I wanted to bring up, so we see a lot of D-men getting large deals. We saw Zach Wierenski, 9.5 over 6. We saw Seth Jones, 9.5 over 7. Was it? Was seven, eight. Eight. Nine and a half over 8. Even better. Kale McCarr, nine, $9 million over 6. Uh, and then even depth set defense. Cody Cece, four years, $13 million total. Crazy. So it, it begs the question. The Leafs have a pretty good defenseman. With one more year year left on their deal at five million dollars, if Morgan Riley has the same year as he did this past season, what does his next deal look like? Uh, I actually don't think it's as high as people are speculating. I don't think that offensive style defenseman that he is, which is pure offense and pretty poor defensively, is as coveted as people think. He's not Tyson Berry by any means, but. I think the best comparable for him is Tory Krug. I think they're a very similar level player. I think you people could argue Krug is maybe better because he brings more on the power play than Riley, but he's also played more sheltered minutes than Morgan Riley has. But I think that's a almost a direct comparable player for Morgan Riley would be Tory Krug. To mention the contracts there, Tyson Berry four and a half over three years he just signed, and then Tory Krug with six and a half million dollars over seven years. No trade clause, and then modified no. But the other thing clause. about Barry was he was gonna make seven or eight million before he got traded to the Leafs. That's what everyone was saying off that big playoff: six million, seven million, eight million. And he but got exposed. Exactly. I, I, I don't think the way the NHL is going is a league where Morgan Riley is making nine million dollars. I don't. I see a lot of people speculating that. Also, if that's what he makes, it's an easy decision to let him walk. You don't even have to think about it. Like the Leafs aren't giving Morgan Riley nine million. That's crazy. Of course. So I don't think. Maybe I'm hard on Morgan Riley compared to to other people because I know a lot of people really like him. I've never seen him as that type of defenseman. Even on his big year, he had a great year, but he still wasn't the most you know defensively responsible player. This Morgan Riley's game really changed when they got Jake Muzzin. Honestly, that's what I look at. I look at Jake Muzzin is really the cog in the Leafs defense core. He's the most important Leafs. A hundred percent. So. For me, I think Riley's still a mostly offensive defenseman who can skate. The thing that he does that's really underrated is that he's great at exiting the zone with the puck, either making the right pass or skating the puck up. Something he does really well that translates to any team. That's something that Tyson Berry didn't have, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. For an offensive defenseman, his transition game was atrocious to me. So, Decent first pass, but skating but the puck up himself. Even the, the first pass part, it's, it was hard for him to get the puck to get out. Like He always yeah. felt like he was you know, hard, 
at retrieving not the puck. Phys- physical. Not physical. That's the thing. Riley's not throw the body a lot, but he's pretty like he's built. he's built well. Exactly. So for me, I look at Tory Krug. I look at seven years, six and a half million. Would I be thrilled if the Leafs signed Morgan Riley to that? I wouldn't be thrilled, but I, I would accept it. I think the term is long, but at six and a half, I think that's a very palatable cap number. And you keep a guy who's, you know, homegrown. He's been a great leader. So that's that's what I'm looking at. What do you think? So, Tevi, I want to bring up this comment because as I posted that poll, Tevi Mendel messaged in. He said, I love Morgan Riley, my favorite Leaf heart-wise, but I think we would be better off having Sands step up and using that cap space elsewhere. That's a great point. So, to me, that's what it is. How much does Rasmus Sandin take that step to be the next top four offensive defenseman in the Leafs lineup? Run the first power play as well in there. Can he step up his defensive game? Can he make better decisions in his own zone in terms of moving the puck around? Um, and can he play the full 82 games this year without, you know, there being a black period where it's like, you got to scratch him. You can't have a top four defenseman where it's like, yeah, we have to scratch him this game. He's just not playing very well kind of thing. Right. And he's got some good competition to push him as well. in Travis Dermott, if he's still kind of there throughout the year. Right. So, that's where it brings up an interesting question. I mean, how much does Sandine push Riley to then make him expendable? Like, wh- what does Sandine's stat line have to kind of, like... Will we will we see enough of him to know the answer to that question? I hope. Probably not, though, in terms of the minutes you'd want to see. I think but, it'll be 14. But I think, as you said, if the alternative is, you know... Let's say Riley were starting to get to the seven or sevens. I don't think the least want to touch seven for Morgan Riley. I don't No. So then it would be a situation where I, I yeah, I think they're, they'd roll with Sandine, maybe bring in a depth guy as insurance. Maybe I'm just throwing an equivalent to like a Mike Riley type. I would say like not a bona fide top four defensive, but maybe shore up the depth a little more. The only concern I would have is if, if you lose Riley off the D court, the other two cogs, which are Brody and Muzzin, are aging pretty quickly. So Sandy would almost have to like start contributing because then you kind of have a bit of an aging defense core without any anything coming up in the pipeline. So it's, I think Sandine will come up, and I think he will if Riley's gone. He'll be in that spot. They drafted him for yeah. that reason. So, but I, I'm talking just pure contract value. I think six and a half over seven years is like it's fair. That's fair. It's fair. That's what you you kind of got to pay him. Um, in terms of like Sandine, it's interesting because he moves the puck. Um, oh, Jason made a comment on this and we will pull it up in one second. Uh, in terms of Sandine, I think it would be a great replacement simply because he moves the puck up ice like Riley does, but in such a different way, he's yeah. not the speedster kind of fly down no. the wing kind of player, but it's a more lot creative. of head fakes, a more creative, good at dishing the puck, um, Again, just got to work on a couple things with his game, but I think he's a fantastic player. I like I I really want him first power play this year I, all year. I think we both prefer Sandine's play in the offensive zone for what we've seen. To, Off the cycle, hundred percent. Morgan, Morgan Riley. Riley's just not smart enough. He Morgan Riley's good in much. transition because he's so fast and he's yeah. a powerful skater in a straight line, so the puck gets out of the zone really quickly. But when we start to pass the red line, get to the other side, I think. Uh, what we've seen from Sandin, stupid decisions. Exactly. In terms of his creativity, in terms of his head fakes, like we talked about, in terms of even his shot, yeah. his being You're able to get that slap shot. Through. Why are you throwing it directly into the defender's shin pads? Right. Like, so, and then it goes back the other way and TJ Brody's got to slide and make a good defensive play. When you bring up How San- many times you see that this year? Um, that's why he's amazing. When you bring up Sandin, we, we love the guy. Yeah. We love the kid. 
Big believer. For us, I think we'd have no issue with Riley walking and Sandine being brought up. Just you're asking us what we think the Leafs are going to do, and I'm not certain that they're as gung-ho on Sandine as we I think it'll be are. very dependent on Sandine this yep. year I in think terms that's of my point. opinions on what Riley kind of deserves to stay elite, right? But it's an interesting it, – it, it's a wait and see in my yeah. opinion. Six and a half – if he were to sign six and a half over seven next year, it'd be like – I mean, sorry, tomorrow, then it'd be like, okay, but like what do we have in Sandine then? Like you kind of blocked him out yeah. for the next – six years, whatever. Right. But like it would have to so wait a year and then address See, it. Then I agree. let him play at 5 million this year. We're yeah, good with that. Even if it, Morgan Riley puts up 82 points this year, I'm confident his defensive game isn't going to be off yeah. the charts. Right. I, I, and also we're not trading Morgan Riley. That's, I just don't think that's happening. It, it's no. a great idea. I think with the right creative creativity, the right, you know, mindset, you can make that deal happen and improve your team. But I don't think you're in a position to really ag- agree because right it would be improving your team for the future. It wouldn't be a today move. And they're doing today moves. Yeah. Also, like then who's going to step up into the second line left defenseman spot? Is it Dermot or Sandine? Both yeah. unproven top right. four players. Right. right. So it's like wait and see. You have time. Yeah. They wait like and see. The, the top four this year set in stone. They're confident with it. Let's yeah. do have one year of that. Yeah. Regardless of the contract, just forgetting about that. I'd really like to see another a, a full year of what we saw from Morgan Riley in the playoffs. Yeah. A little more set in stone defensively. Yeah. Like the, the Leafs can do some damage with that. Agreed. I'll tell you that. Let's see what Jason has to say. This will be a take. I already know. All right. Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley. Are you in the watch? Morgan Riley, he's, he's on the last year of his deal. He's going to be 28 at the end of the year, and he's a UFA. So the big question is, what are the Leafs going to do with Morgan Riley? So, uh, Looking at the defensemen and the contracts that have been signed this year, there's there's been a lot of teams paying out, out the wazoo for defensemen. We've seen a lot of eight, seven-year deals up pushing upwards of nine, nine, nine and a half million dollars for defensemen. Um, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money being thrown at defensemen. So um, also, uh, it was reported earlier in the in the offseason that if the Leafs aren't able to extend Morgan Riley, that they will trade him. That's so not. Right they didn't now, say they the Leafs, will trade him. Uh, I know I was yeah, a big well, trade more. Riley advocate, but looking at this team, I I love the makeup of this group. I like the team that I'm looking at right now. I love this roster. So right now I'd be trying to work on an extension with Morgan Riley. And what would that extension look like? Um, well, Morgan Riley, as we know, he's not the most gifted defensively, but he's a fantastic offensive player. Um, the only downside to that as a defenseman is that we've seen offensive defensemen playing sim- like similar styles to him kind of fall off really fast. And that's my biggest worry about Morgan Riley, right? 28 at the end of his year. If you give that's him 30, a lot of he'll be 30, 34, 35. Um, and I, I don't know how productive he'll be at, at that age. So if I'm the least, the most important thing, I think, is term. I don't think I don't think you can give him any anything over uh, a four, maybe a five-year deal. Because that would put him to 32, 33 years old. I think anything more than five is is out of the question. Um, AAV, uh, how much I think he'll make per year. Th- this is an interesting one. Um, so I'm gonna stop it there. So if it is a five-year deal instead of a seven, what do you? What would, it's gotta be like eight million. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Let's see what he's top, but I think so as well. Let's see. So he's making five right now, and and. Uh, we got that. She's obviously steel, worth though. a little bit more than that. How much more? I'm not too sure. Last year, uh, last uh, 
offseason Tory Krug signed six and a half million dollar deal, I think over six or seven years. And I think AAV wise, I think Morgan Riley should be in that range. I think he's a bit, little bit better than Tory Krug, but um, I, I don't know if I would sign him that to that much on on a short term deal. Like I. I, I would try and get him under six. He did say he would take a hometown discount to stay here, which would be lovely to see. But uh, if, if I'm the Leafs, I, I think the, the right deal comes between five and six million dollars at a uh, four-year term. What do you guys think? Yeah, obviously. What was that last part? Five to six million for four years, obviously. What? Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I would do that. That's like he's just making the same as he makes now. But that, I don't think that's a real realistic I don't contract think so at all. Um, I didn't even. See how, how, what's the, again? What's the argument for him to get less money in term than Tory Krug did? Or let, let me b- bring up another name for you. He plays on the same team as Tory Krug. Do you know where I'm going with this? Justin Falk. Justin Falk. Who's well, making? He's making six and a half over seven years. So again, there's no. That's that's like. That's the baseline, I think, for Ryan. That's why we put that number hometown, up there. A hometown discount is like 0.5 off or seven, like three and a half million dollars total, not twenty million. But then again, total. if the answer is that's all you're happy signing him for, then you let him walk. That's it. And exactly. And Rasmus Sandin. But I just, I, I get what Jason's trying to say, though. I agree yeah. with that. The long term would scare me a bit. But it's almost I at a point. I now. didn't think of that in terms of the physicality. Off, the I mean, what's his what's his main part of his offensive game? Yeah, his skating. Yeah, what go like skating? Goes. Eric Carlson, you brought that up. Yeah. That was a great point there. Yeah. We've seen Eric Carlson go from a a fantastic straight line speedster kind of thing. His ankles seem to be shot, yeah. and he can't move around as well as he can. And now it's it's caved in his offensive game and he's totally useless and he's one of the highest paid offensive players in the game and your San Jose's stuck with that contract so that's an interesting point it was a very good point Jason there but yeah I don't think he takes that that big of if a he discount. does that'd be really good for us that'd obviously unreal but I just don't see that happening no I think I think again what I think he'll get on the open market if he wants I'm sure he could get seven by seven somewhere I would. I don't think it would be the Leafs giving him that. I. I think someone would give him that. Yeah, it'd be in terms of who. That's the thing. Um, yeah, well, it would want. You'd have to see the landscape, but even a team like Calgary. Yeah. Like, mm, that's a good one. That's a good example there. I think they could use someone like that in their mm. lineup, especially with Giordano gone now. Yeah. So, that's an interesting one. Um, we just gotta. I just want to. I'm sure Jason just misspoke. They didn't say if they can't sign him, they will trade him. It's just. They'll explore trading him because I think we're currently in the timeline where they don't sign him and they don't trade him. So, yeah, agreed. Any any other closing thoughts? Well, the the poll that we ran, I said if uh, six and a half million dollars for seven years is a good contract to sign Morgan Riley to, sixty two percent said good deal, thirty eight said bad, too much. Thirty eight said too much money. The other thing is for a guy like Riley, it's not the same as Hyman where people would be afraid of the term because they've seen Riley just play well forever. I think a lot of people think Hyman boosted by the top guys, his game's going to go. I think people see Riley as a part of the legitimate core of this team. Mm-hmm. So when you tell them that you're making seven years at, or six and a half for seven years, they don't think, oh, geez, it's seven years. I think, all right, we got a, our, we got what people say is our best defenseman at six and a half. Yeah. And then you'll deal with those years later, which again, it's not the best free agency mindset, though. So, yeah, it's tough, though. These contracts always end up being tough, honestly, because it's 
it's not a no-brainer signing. It's really not. When you talk about Rasmus Sandin being in the fold, when you talk about, again, what the defensemen were making, it's going to be a topic of conversation pretty much all yeah. year into the offseason. You're think. not like New York where it's a rebuilding team where it's like any free agent is a good ad to bolster up the team. This is a competitive team, a team that's supposed to be competing for a Stanley Cup. Any sort of like movement in terms of money with your cap space and then having to move an unproven player into your lineup to play more minutes or take on more responsibility. It's a gamble and it's a, it's a very costly gamble if it doesn't go your way. Right. So that's how you got to think of it. It's not New York where it's like, okay, our expectations next year are just playoffs. Like or New Jersey for New Jersey as well. It's a great example. Signed Dougie Hamilton probably gave him more than brainer. It's easy, though. They have a ton of cap space. Let's, well, Yeah, maybe we overpaid him by a bit and gave him one or two extra years. But, hey, for the next five years, he's going to be great for us. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I think we've touched on everything here that we we needed to. The other thing is we didn't play what Jason thought Makayev and Kerfoot would get. I want to hear what he thinks about the oh. Kerfoot return. Do you have it? Yeah. Let me, let me pull it up it. here. Because I, 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 he always has something interesting up his sleeve. All right, trade packages for Kerfoot or Mikhaev. Okay, interesting. Um, so I think the most obvious trade right now for the Leafs to make is to move Kerfoot for Max Domi at retained salary. Reports came. Sorry, that, that is, I did say, I didn't know he said that, but that's pretty funny that I also said exactly that. Retained salary. Reports came out of Columbus today that they, uh, Columbus is looking to move on from Max Domi. He just doesn't seem like the right fit there. So I, if I'm the Leafs, I'm all over that. I love Max Domi. He was great for the London Knights. He looked great for great in Montreal, and he looked good in Columbus. He's never really seemed to fit where he's gone, but he's a player who's really skilled, has great great analytics, and, and, and just is a, is a good overall player. And best part is he plays center. He's added center depth for us. So if we're trading Kerfoot, we're not losing center. We're not losing center depth at all. He plays the same position as Kerfoot. He can play center or he can play left wing. Um, he's just a better version of Kerfoot in my books. Less defensive than Kerfoot, but a lot, a, a lot more offensive than Kerfoot. So, um, specifically Kerfoot, if if we're moving him, I'm I'm moving him for Max Domi. Um, Mikhaev, on the other hand, I, I really don't know what kind of package we'll like what we'll get for him. Maybe they move both. Mikhaev and Kerfoot for Max Domi. Uh, doing that at uh, at least with Max Domi retaining two and a half million dollars would put the Leafs as cap compliant. Um, about retaining Domi at eighty six thousand dollars under the cap, um, and that's what the the roster I, I listed previously with Lilligan as your seventh uh, D, uh, Brooks and Gabriel as your thirteenth um, and fourteenth forward respectively. So that's that, that, that could be something that the Leafs could consider. Um, and then also in doing that, in the games that, let's say, uh, Lilligan or Sandin don't play, you could bring up Nick Robertson and, and, and play the left wing there. So I think that's a trade that, that, that could make sense for both teams, Columbus and Toronto. I don't know if it, we, you'd have to throw in a little bit more to get Max Domi. I don't know if he's fallen out of favor there, but I, I would really like the Leafs to target Max Domi with uh, – you use Kerfoot to target Max Domi. So what, what do you guys think? Who do you think? Uh... I just don't see how that would make sense for Columbus. Like Columbus is rebuilding. You get rid of Max Domi uh, for one year. And we, no, we, I don't know how many, te- how many 
like retained deals we've seen that have been over like 25%. No, a lot there's been 50%. 50% a lot of 50%. at the deadline for one year. Yeah, but those I think they would retain for a full year. Sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Not 50%. You don't, don't think, think so? I think 25 max for a full year. I've we've yet to but, see your But deal why wouldn't like, you? Um it's, it's just added value. It makes no sense not to other than like you don't want to get I don't in think a deal, yeah, that's the thing, but I don't think I I think that the Leafs wouldn't do I think Columbus would do it all day. I don't think the Leafs would be willing to pay that much for Columbus to retain that much salary. That's so I guess the only thing it. about Kerfoot for Domi is like their Domi situation is it's just he's not the guy there out. that they want. He wants out. They want him out. You get a guy you'd who have has to add a lot more. You'd have to add like a I young really prospect don't think, to, I think to they send might. Kerfoot to Columbus. Why would Ker, why would Columbus want Kerfoot? He's got an extra year on his deal. He's at three point like, five for two years. Maybe they like him, and, and you add him a guy they're like they're rebuilding Rikaya. though. Like, yeah, do but, they really so, want? Maybe they do. What, maybe maybe they want the exact type of impact of Max Domi, but for an extra year at less money. I don't know. That's why I said I like the idea. I don't know how realistic it I is like for Columbus. I like it too. I just don't think Columbus. How, would see it like how's that. Max Domi just overall? Is that a guy you want Toronto to? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, I had a hundred percent want Max Domi on our team. Like he's a good player. Homegrown kid would love to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, I think it's funny because the complaint from the the guys that used to, that played for the Leafs in the '90s was that teams would play that teams would, that they would play would elevate their game so much more when they would come to Toronto because they're playing in front of all their families and friends, and they only get to do it once or twice a year, right? And so I think that's a guy that would feed off the home yeah, crowd. He's a very emotional sure. guy as well. So like these are just like away from his actual skill set. This is just maybe extrapolating way yeah. too far. But I would like Max Domi. He's a good player. Yeah. Why so not? I'll, I'll throw out the hypothetical. It's uh, Alex Kerfoot and Topi Nimala for Max Domi. Do you do that oh. deal? I'd have to think about it. I mean, I like Topi Nimala. That's the issue. Um, I think Columbus does that all day, 100%. If you're the least, that's a lot to give up. No, no, I don't do Topi Nimala. I think Columbus maybe would look towards more, maybe something like Joey Anderson. It wouldn't be Kerfa Joey Anderson, but like I think they would look someone like Joey Anderson. Cheap deal for the next two years. I think is under team control after that deal is up too. Hasn't quite cracked the NHL, but has shown a lot of good play in the AHL so far. Tight squeeze in the Toronto's in Toronto's roster. You're going to be able to give him a good look in Columbus as well. So like Joey Anderson plus plus plus. Obviously, that's my thinking. Interesting. Yeah, good yeah. to know. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to? No, I'm excited. We'll see what we have to talk about next week because uh, it's going to be slow. But uh, next week we actually, oh, we actually have Josh that. Simpson yeah, on. I was going to say he's going to be talking some Leafs prospects. Good. We touched on Matthew Nyes. Roni Irvin and Topi Nimala had massive World Junior Summer Showcases. So looking forward to that interview there. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Go Leafs, go.